0: how i do it transversus thoracic plane and pecto intercostal fascial block by dr renuka george and dr kirsten Dahl from the medical university of south carolina and dr johanna blair DeHaan from the mcgovern medical school ut health the opioid crisis currently threatening the health of the global population has compelled healthcare providers to reconsider appropriate analgesic options. Massive efforts have been made to maximize multimodal analgesia and regional anesthetic techniques in an attempt to reduce pain and the need for opioid analgesics. These efforts have been associated with improvements in ultrasound imaging technology and a renewed interest in anatomical study that has resulted in a proliferation of fascial plane blocks to assist in the provision of perioperative analgesia. Although the notion of pain as the fifth vital sign now appears misguided, post-surgical pain continues to limit recovery and may increase the risk of perioperative morbidity. Poorly managed chest wall pain can contribute to an increased incidence of pulmonary complications through increased splinting. Restricted postoperative breathing can result in hypoventilation, atelectasis, pneumonia, and an increased length of hospital stay. Thus, treating surgical chest pain adequately and in a manner that minimizes the requirement for significant opioid administration is important. Midline chest wall pain can be iatrogenic from median sternotomy and pacemaker placement or pathologic from sternal and medial rib fractures. Chronic pain can develop following poor management of acute pain, contributing to additional physiologic and psychologic stress, and consuming disproportionate physical and financial resources. The transversus thoracic plane block, or TTPB, formerly known as the parasternal plane block, is a newer regional anesthesia technique that provides analgesia to the medial anterior chest wall and may consequently decrease pulmonary morbidity and the need for large-dose opioids. Its indications include the following, sternotomy, sternal fractures, medial rib fractures, medial coverage for breast surgery, Medial coverage for placement of tunneled pacemaker or implantable cardioverter defibrillator sonoanatomy muscles a high frequency linear probe is best used to scan in a parasagittal fashion medial to the midclavicular line over ribs three and four in this approach the pectoralis major muscle can be appreciated beneath subcutaneous tissue and overlying the ribs. The intercostal muscles lie between the ribs and superficial to the transversus thoracic muscle, TTM, a hypoechoic band that overlies the pleura. The transversus thoracic plane, TTP, can be found between the internal intercostal muscle and the transversus thoracic muscle and is the target for the transversus thoracic plane block. Organs While scanning the chest wall, the pleura is evident bilaterally as hyperechoic lines with clear lung sliding between the ribs and deep to the intercostal muscle. The pleura should move in coordination with respiratory efforts or ventricular contraction, and a lack of movement should elicit concern for pneumothorax or other pulmonary pathology. During ultrasonography of the left anterior chest wall, the pericardium appears deep to the intercostal muscles. Because of these critical organs' proximity, care must be taken to visualize the needle tip at all times. If the block cannot be performed safely, use an alternative technique. Vessels. The internal thoracic artery runs between the internal intercostal muscles and transversus thoracic muscle and should be visualized prior to block placement. In addition to identifying the artery via longitudinal orientation of the ultrasound, placing the ultrasound in the transverse orientation over the plane of interest offers further confirmation of the arterial presence with the goal of avoidance of this vasculature. Again, constant visualization of the needle tip is vital. Once the transversus thoracic plane has been accessed, aspirate every three to five milliliters to ensure that intravascular placement of the needle tip has not occurred. Although ASRA has neuraxial guidelines for deep plexus and deep peripheral nerve blocks, it has no defined rules for more superficial nerve blocks. However, the guidelines do advise that vascularity, compressibility, and bleeding consequences be taken into consideration. We therefore recommend evaluating ease of block placement, type of anticoagulation, and vascularity of the site prior to proceeding nerves the sternum's body derives its innervation from the anterior cutaneous branches of intercostal nerves two through six and the sympathetic plexus around the internal thoracic artery the nerves lie between the internal intercostal muscle and the transversus thoracic muscle within the transversus thoracic plane in addition a collateral branch also aids in supply and runs along the upper border of the rib. The transversus thoracic plane block anesthetizes the nerves via injection of local anesthetic between the two aforementioned muscles. One injection into this plane on each side of the sternum between ribs 3 and 4 will spread to cover the entire sternum. Multiple injections on one side of the sternum are unnecessary if the correct plane is used. Performing the block preoperatively under ultrasound guidance and appreciating no hemodynamic derangements during medium sternotomy intraoperatively confirm appropriate block placement. Osseous structures. Ideally, ribs three and four are targeted and should be visible on the ultrasound screen with an accompanying posterior acoustic shadow. Simultaneously visualize the entirety of the needle and direct it at a steep enough angle to avoid being directed beneath a rib where visualization would be obscured. Excessive needle insertion may result in pleural puncture or pneumothorax bilaterally or pericardial injury on the left side of the chest. Patient positioning and equipment selection. Needle. Use a 21-gauge, 5 or 10-centimeter blunt tip echogenic needle. Determine the needle length by clinical judgment based on patient's body habitus and relevant anatomy. Scanning technique. Patients can be positioned either supine or with their head up to aid with respiratory status if needed. Place a 50 millimeter high-frequency linear ultrasound probe on the chest in the parasagittal plane in the midclavicular line and identify the third or fourth rib space, ribs, pleura, pectoralis major, and intercostal muscles. Scan in a lateral to medial fashion to visualize the hypoechoic transversus terminal muscle lying deep to the intercostal muscle and superficial to the pleura. The needle target will be the plane between the internal intercostal muscle and the transversus thoracic muscle. Care must be taken because the internal thoracic artery also runs in this plane and can be identified in cross-section via an ultrasound scan in the transverse plane. If a pulsatile structure is seen, place color flow Doppler over the structure to confirm the presence of the artery. If the presence of vascular structures is uncertain, probe placement over an adjacent rib space to evaluate for arterial presence is recommended. Medication selection. Local anesthetic. Use bupivacaine 0.25% or ropivacaine 0.25%, 10 to 20 milliliters on each side. A patient's weight type of surgery location of artery, and risk of vascular puncture should be considered when determining both volume and concentration of local anesthetic. Adjuvants. Preservative-free dexamethasone, 1 to 3 mg on each side, has anti-inflammatory properties and limits ectopic discharge in neural membranes. Clonidine, 0.5 micrograms per kilogram, with a maximum dose of 150 micrograms, allows for prolongation of block via vasoconstriction secondary to hyperpolarization of gated channels. However, it has conflicting data on block duration and carries a risk of hypotension with higher doses or intravascular injection. Epinephrine, 5 to 10 micrograms per milliliter, can prolong block duration via vasoconstrictive activity when used with lidocaine and mepivacaine, but not ropivacaine. It has a neurotoxic potential because of vasoconstriction, and hypertension and tachycardia could alert the regional team to vascular injection. Buprenorphine can block voltage-gated sodium channels. It has anti-hyperalgesic properties and can prolong blocks, but carries a risk of post-operative nausea and vomiting. Limited data exists for liposomal bupivacaine, but it has not proved to be more effective or longer-lasting than bupivacaine with preservative-free dexamethasone. Nerve block catheters should be placed postoperatively to avoid surgical field contamination. Adjuvants are not required for block prolongation, but catheter migration and increased risk of infection are concerns. Description of technique the goal is to achieve blockade of the anterior cutaneous branches of intercostal nerves 2-6, through six, which innervate the sternum as originally described by Ueshima and Otaki. The chest is disinfected and sterile ultrasound gel is applied. A 50 millimeter high-frequency linear ultrasound probe is placed on the chest in a parasagittal plane over the 3rd and 4th ribs at the midclavicular line. The pectoralis major intercostal muscles, ribs and pleura, are identified and traced medially toward the sternum until the transversus thoracic muscle comes into view lateral to the sternum and deep to the internal intercostal muscle as a hypoechoic band. The internal thoracic artery is identified in this plane between the intercostal muscle and transversus thoracic muscle to avoid vascular puncture and intraarterial injection. To ensure constant visualization of the needle and prevent pericardial puncture, a blunt-tip, 21-gauge, 5- or 10-centimeter echogenic needle is advanced in an in-plane approach from caudal to cranial direction. The needle tip is placed between the transversus thoracic muscle and the intercostal muscle. After negative aspiration, correct placement in the transversus terminus plane is confirmed with 1 to 3 milliliters of sterile saline via hydrodissection followed by injection of 10 to 20 milliliters of 0.25% bupivacaine hydrochloride or ropivacaine 0.25% with one to three milligrams of preservative-free dexamethasone in five milliliter aliquots. Downward displacement of the pleura during injection further confirms correct deposition of local anesthetic. The maximum dose of bupivacaine hydrochloride and ropivacaine is 2.5 milligrams per kilogram of ideal body weight. In addition to the local anesthetic's analgesic component, Hydrodissection of the transversus thoracic plane may allow for relief of entrapment of the terminal branches of the intercostal nerves, further alleviating pain. Approach In our practice, we approach the plane of interest in a caudal to cranial fashion. Because the rib spaces can be small in this area of the chest, moving the ultrasound transducer cranially in the parasagittal plane can help to identify the target by moving the inferior rib off the screen. This ensures that the needle inserted in an in-plane approach is steep enough to enable the needle tip to reach the plane without bending or being inadvertently placed beneath the superior rib where the needle tip cannot be visualized on ultrasonography because of an acoustic shadow. If rib spaces are narrow, limiting the angle of the needle and appropriate visualization, an out-of-plane approach may be warranted. The high-frequency linear ultrasound probe is placed in the same parasagittal orientation between ribs 3 and 4 and the transversus thoracic plane is identified. Using a blunt-tip 21-gauge needle, approach the transversus thoracic plane in an out-of-plane fashion using sterile saline for hydrodissection to further appreciate the tip of the needle given that the entirety of the needle cannot be appreciated via this approach and that the tip even using hydrodissection can be difficult to visualize we do not recommend this technique because of the increased risk of pneumothorax vascular puncture and hematoma dose and volume of local anesthetic we have performed this block successfully with 10 to 20 milliliters of 0.25 percent bupivacaine or 0.25 percent ropivacaine if the patient is having no other blocks and no intravenous local anesthetic is administered using a volume closer to 20 milliliters is preferable because it is a volume dependent block however if the patient is of low body weight less than 40 kilograms or if other local anesthetics contribute to the total dose, 10 milliliters has provided effective analgesia in the past anecdotally. Block location and intercostal vasculature absorption influence its duration. It has the potential for biphasic absorption, with the initial phase occurring within five minutes because of the proximity of intercostal vasculature and the second slower phase resulting from the surrounding subcutaneous fat absorbing the highly lipid soluble local anesthetic. See figure 5 for clinical pearls regarding the transversus thoracic plane block. Potential complications. Adverse events to consider include the following pneumothorax, Hemothorax, pericardial puncture resulting in potential hemopericardium or pericardial injection, intravascular injection, local anesthetic systemic toxicity, damage to the internal thoracic artery, hematoma, infection, neural injury. pecto-intercostal fascial block. Alternative methods. Transversus thoracic plane block is not without its risks including vascular and pericardial puncture, pneumothorax, last, infection, and nerve damage. A potentially safer alternative method is the pecto-intercostal fascial block, PIFB, in which the proceduralist injects local anesthetic into the fascial plane between the pectoralis major and the intercostal muscles. Despite being a more superficial nerve block, pecto-intercostal fascial block, also anesthetizes the anterior branches of the intercostal nerves that traverse through the intercostal muscles, but it is a novel block that requires additional research. However, several case reports suggest that pecto-intercostal fascial block may provide equivalent analgesia relative to transversus thoracic plane block for a variety of situations, including breast surgery, thymectomy, and sternotomy. Technique Place the patient in supine position with a linear probe placed in a longitudinal fashion just lateral to the sternum until the pectoralis major, ribs, and intercostal muscles are identified in the short axis. Confirm and avoid the location of the internal thoracic artery in a similar fashion when performing the transversus thoracic plane block. Advance a 21-gauge, 5-centimeter blunt tip echogenic needle in plane, under ultrasound guidance, in a caudal to cranial direction, and place the tip between the pectoralis major and intercostal muscles. Hydrodissect with one to two milliliter aliquots of saline to confirm appropriate needle placement. Local anesthetic choice is proceduralist dependent, and may be injected once negative aspiration is confirmed. Two to three milliliters of 0.375% levobupivacaine with epinephrine 1 to 200,000 covers a dermatome. Liu and others reported T1 to T6 coverage for post-sternotomy analgesia with pecto-intercostal fascial block, but they did use three injection sites on each side, with a total of 38 milliliters of ropivacaine 0.25% and decadron 3.8 milligrams injected. Multiple injection sites may not be necessary. Jones and others described bilateral pecto-intercostal fascial block catheters placement with an initial bolus of 30 milliliters of bupivacaine 0.25% and ropivacaine 0.2% infusion at 8 to 10 milliliters per hour over the next four days in patients with myasthenia gravis receiving thymectomy. Although pecto-intercostal fascial block requires additional study, it offers the potential for a safer approach to anesthetizing the medial portion of the anterior chest wall. Conclusion As reliance on opioids as the sole analgesic option wanes, New regional anesthesia techniques that focus on injection of local anesthetics into various fascial planes have gained prominence as critical components of multimodal analgesic regimens. Patients experiencing medial chest wall pain had not previously benefited from regional anesthesia techniques and have largely depended on intravenous and oral opioids for pain control. Although techniques that block spinal nerves paravertebral block, or proximal intercostal nerves, intercostal block, may also be effective at treating parasternal pain. They are limited by either the potential for sympathectomy with resulting hemodynamic changes, or the need to perform multiple injections to properly anesthetize a large area. Opioid consumption has known side effects, including nausea, vomiting, decreased bowel function, diminished ventilatory drive with hypercarbia, somnolence and tolerance, and can potentially lead to problems with physical dependence or addiction. Non-opioid multimodal analgesic regimens may result in incomplete analgesia and may not be tolerated in various patient groups secondary to intolerability or side effect profile. Epidural and paravertebral blockade Require strict timing of venous thromboembolism prophylaxis protocols and may be associated with spinal hematoma and neuraxial injuries. In the author's experience, transversus thoracic plane block requires no alteration of the anticoagulant regimen, although vascularity and block difficulty should be taken into account when making a decision. Poorly managed acute pain may ultimately result in the development of chronic pain and the need for costly and stressful additional medical or surgical intervention. The reported incidence of chronic pain after cardiac surgery varies from 21 to 56% and is multifactorial in nature with a large neuropathic component. Therefore, the cardiac surgery population may be particularly vulnerable and warrant additional perioperative analgesic efforts. Regional anesthesia techniques contribute to analgesia, limit the reliance on opioid medications, treat neuropathic pain, and can prevent the development of chronic pain. With such a high incidence of chronic pain in the surgical population, transversus thoracic plane block proves to be a useful tool in the anesthesiologist's arsenal.